Obviously, we're talking about prayer. Before we do, I want to tell you a quick story. Um, how many of you guys went to the Clayton Kershaw event in back in November? Yeah, some of you guys went. Does anyone remember what the weather was like it was that night? Crazy. It was terrible. It was oh, we were indoor. We were yes. in the we indoor facility. We indoors. Now, this is what happened. Before we went inside, right? It's pouring down rain. Harv and I are in separate cars. We kind of tried to tag team it, get there at the same time. So he's right behind me. We're parked right by the football stadium, okay? And we realize it's point on rain. And we're looking at the rain. And we're like, maybe we'll get that like five minute window where we can get inside this building. And I thought about calling in sick because I was like, I really don't want to run when it's raining. And we realized this is not going to happen. So I get my umbrella out. We're like, we're going to do this. I had an umbrella and I stepped outside. And within like five seconds of being outside, my umbrella just snapped because the water was coming down so hard. So the umbrella's done, I'm already out there. So I run in and I become absolutely soaking wet. Okay, so as I'm soaking wet, my, I realize there's a hole in my shoe. So I'm wearing jeans and Sperry's and a hole isn't one of them. If you know how Sperry's are made, there's this weird thing where the hole, the water will come up but it won't go out. All right, so what happens is this, my shoes get totally soaked in water. So I'm soaking wet, I walk in there, I'm standing in puddles of water and I can't really go anywhere. So how I'm interacting with people that entire night is totally affected by that. So I'm like walking awkward, I'm really uncomfortable, I'm distracted the whole time, I'm doing that kind of thing because my shoes were just full of water and it totally affected my entire night. It was pretty bad. Have any of y'all been there too where you've been soaking wet and like totally affects everything? Mm -hmm. All right, yes, I've seen some knots. So this is what I want to tell you. What's really interesting is if you look at the Bible, there's in Romans, when Paul is talking, one of the things that he says is this. He says, when you believe in the gospel, when you accept Jesus as your Savior, what happens is you are now, this is what he says, you are now standing in his grace. You are standing in his grace. So what his point is, is this, is that when you accept Jesus for the rest of your life, on your best days or your worst days, it's not like you're standing in water. But think about that image. You are standing in a pool of God's grace. You're soaked in it and you're covered in it. His unearned favor towards you. In, that, in this moment right now, that is how he sees you if you believe in Jesus. That's what that means. Now, that in the same way that being soaked in water should, that should affect everything. I mean, if I really believe that that is true about me, that's where I'm at. That's my current status. That would change everything. I wouldn't care what other people thought of me nearly as much, and my interests would really begin to shift. I would care way less about things that the world values, and I would care way more about things that God values. That's something that would change. In fact, in the Bible, you see this. When people's lives change when they know God, they'll say crazy things like, one thing I seek is to know God more. That's in Psalm 27. Paul is in jail, and he says, I have learned to be content no matter what the circumstance. That's what he says. Those are the crazy things that you say when you know the gospel. It changes everything. But if we're being really honest, this is what I want you to think about your life today. If we look at where we live, and I, I grew up here, so I experienced this, and I'm part of this. So this isn't like a yelling at anyone. This is putting me in there with you. But I think if we look at where we live today in our community, I think that it's actually pretty rare for somebody's life to actually change based on what they say they believe. So this is what I mean by that. I think most people go to Bible studies or church in some capacity. Most people go to some church or some Bible study. 
But if you look at the amount of people whose lives actually look different than everyone else, that's very low. That's extremely low. So there's some disconnect going on where we've got this news that Paul says should change everything, right? Yet for most of us, I don't know if it does. And that's what I want you to think about tonight is where are you? Are you in a place where, yeah, this message is beginning to change? It doesn't mean you're perfect. I'm not perfect either. We're all still sinners. But what it does mean is I begin to change. My life begins to change. I begin to care about different things. Does that make sense? And I want you to think about where you're at. And there's a disconnect. In fact, I would say what I've heard from feedback from most of guys that are your age in my Bible studies, when I've talked to them about what their, where their faith is, a lot of what people say is, I know that this is true. I'm having a hard time feeling it. I'm having a hard time really seeing it change my life. I've heard that a lot this year. And I was there as well. And I think that's something that a lot of us struggle with. How is this thing I know in my head supposed to affect me? How does it really change my life? Well, this is what I want to tell you. What's the problem? This is what I think the issue is. This is what I think the disconnect is. I'm going to go Drake famous. Drake has a new album out. It's called Views. This is a song from Views. It's called they Still Here, which has been in my head all day. And this is what it is. This is what he says. Still Here by Drake. This is what he says. The intro, this is what he says all throughout the song. He says, I'm doing well, dog. That's what he says. And then the rest of the song, literally, you can go through the whole song. I've read it. It's pretty bad. But what he does throughout the rest of it is he is trying to prove to you why he's doing well. So he's saying, I'm doing well. And he keeps reminding, I'm doing well, I'm doing well, I'm doing well. And what he does is he tries to say, hey, I've got more money. He kind of does a little start from the bottom reference. He's like, I earned this all on my own. I earned all this. I've got more money. I've got all the girls. They love me. He's trying to show you his resume on why he's doing well. That's his whole song. What he's basically doing is saying, look at me, look at me, look at me. Look at me, look how awesome I am. And I think that that mentality is what is really in America right now, really in our culture. I think that that's a huge issue in our culture. It's called self-absorption. Think about a sponge. A sponge absorbs water. Our culture is all about self-absorption, absorbing yourself, having your eyes always focused on yourself. What you want to do, what's comfortable for you, what feels right to you, what will get you fit, fitting into a certain crowd, we focus on ourselves. Now, here's the problem when we do that. This is from Genesis 3, actually. What happens when that happens, when we are focused on ourselves, we struggle with two things, fear of failure and fear of rejection. So the more I'm self-absorbed, I'm going to be afraid of failing, and I'm going to be afraid of being rejected by others. So I want you to think about your last year, because this has been my story in my life, is I want to be accepted by people. I'm afraid of not being accepted by people, and I'm afraid of failing. And I want you to think about where that shows up in your life. Does it show up in sports? Does it show up with friends? What does that show up with? Does it show up with grades? Does it show up with this certain image that you want others to see in you? But when we are self-absorbed, when we're all about ourselves, our eyes are all on ourselves, that's what we're going to struggle with, fear of failure and fear of rejection. I think where we live today, it's even escalated. Now that I, I work with a lot of high schoolers, I think that the reason people give in to drinking and all that stuff is because that self-absorption is so high that there is such a fear of failure and rejection that we'll begin to compromise who we are in order to prevent that rejection and that failure. Does that make sense? And I think that's a huge problem. I think it starts with self-absorption. But here's what's cool. 
The Bible is a book that meets us right where we are. It's not some ancient book that means nothing to us today. It meets us right where we are. And in John 16, Jesus' followers were having a similar problem. These guys were extremely messed up. They're 12 disciples. And if you read it, they're extremely messed up. They mess up all the time, which gives us a lot of hope that Jesus had extreme patience with them. All right? Extremely messed up all the time. They don't get it. And this, he's about to die. And he's trying to get him ready for it. He's like, hey, I've spent three years with you. I'm about to die. I want to encourage you and try to give you hope because you're about to see something that you're not expecting and it's going to really hurt you. And this is what he tells him in John 16, 33, which is our theme verse of the summer. He says, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I've overcome the world. See, the disciples' trouble was this. They had banked their life. Think about it. They'd left everything to follow Jesus. They're banking their entire life on following this man. And he says, I'm about to die on a cross. They would be panicked. They'd be freaking out. They'd be scared. They'd be like, did I really just waste my entire life leaving everything to come follow him? That was their trouble. That's obviously not our trouble today. But I want you to think, of, what is your trouble? Like, no one's had a perfect year. Every one of us has had troubles this year. It might be friend stuff. might be family stuff. It might be anything. It could be anything. It might be a sin struggle that makes you feel really guilty that people in the locker room might laugh about, but deep down it causes us guilt. I mean, think about that. What is that trouble for you this year? Think about that. What Jesus says is this. The solution to that is not fix it, be better, try to do what Drake's doing, improve yourself. What he says the solution is, is to take your eyes off yourself and put them on him. That's what he's telling the disciples to do. To take their eyes off of themselves, off of what's going on around them, and put them on him. So what does that have to do with prayer? Well, this is really cool. Prayer in the Bible, if you look at it, is really a mix between two things. It goes back and forth between praise and petition. Okay, so in fourth grade, I signed a petition at Bradfield because I hated the school lunch. And what I was trying to do was request better lunch. And I got called down to the principal and they said my tone was bad and I cried. But the point was that I signed a petition. I'm asking for something. So we, when we petition, we're asking God for things, right? So we move back and forth. We pray. We're praising Him or we're asking Him to help us for forgiveness, that kind of thing. Praising Him, petitioning. We move back and forth like that. Tonight we're going to talk about praise. Now here's what's cool about praise. And this is pretty quick. Praise. When we praise God, when we adore Him, when we thank Him, we are taking Him and we're putting him in the center of our lives. We're not putting ourselves in the center. We're not focused on what's going on around us. We're putting him right in the center. And we're praising him. Does that make sense? We're focused on him. That's where our eyes are. Now here's this really cool quote by this guy named Tim Keller. Why would that affect us? I think y'all can handle this. It's a pretty deep quote. But I want you to see this. This is what he says. Um, think about what this means. Prayer gives us relief from the melancholy burden of self-absorption. Remember what I was saying earlier about being self-absorbed? He's saying this, when we praise God, when we are praying to Him and our eyes are fixed on Him, it takes this burden off my back of always being self-absorbed, of always struggling with fear of rejection and with fear of failure. When we pray, it takes that off our back. It frees us. It gives us that peace that Jesus is talking about. So one time there was a I, I saw a car, okay, we were at this ranch, we were trying to drive it. I thought it'd be funny to see what could happen if I filled it with something other than gas, all right? So I like, I threw in water, I was like, let's just see if this thing runs and see what happens. And it did nothing. I think it like destroyed the car. It doesn't work. 
Cars are meant to run on gas, right? That's they're supposed to run them. If we put something else in there, it will not work. I learned that the hard way. It was a really dumb thing to do. I was in high school. I thought it'd be funny. I don't know what kind of car it was. That's a good question. Was it yours? But the point is this. No, it wasn't mine. But the point is this. We are meant to run on God like a car is meant to run on gas. So when we try to fill ourselves with other things, whatever that may be, we're trying to run on something that we're not meant to run on. And eventually we crash and burn. And that's what Jesus is trying to tell them. He's trying to tell them, keep your eyes on me because I'm the fuel that you're looking for. So this is what I want you to think about. How do we do that? And then I'm going to end with a story. How do we actually do that? We actually helped you this year in these Armor Up newsletters. So I would encourage you to take one. I will, if you don't have it, if you forget or something, we can send you a picture. We can do whatever. But on this little section, we've got a little way that you can actually pray this week. This is how you can praise God this week. So the first one just talks about being an expert on God's goodness in your life. A lot of us are so consumed with what we don't have. But if we just take a little while and step back and go, how has God been good to me? It is amazing what that will do for your day. It will fill you with such peace and joy. It's really incredible. The second thing is this. I have a daily guide of verses from Psalms all throughout here, Thursday through next Wednesday. They're very quick. You can read those verses and use those to help you praise God. So if something says, God, Thank you that you are like a refuge for me, that I can trust you when I'm struggling. You can use that psalm to pray for yourself. Make it personal for what you're going through, for what's going on with you. You take what is already in the Bible and you make it apply to you and you praise them. And the third one is actually what we will close with. But that is how you can praise God this week. We have it for you right here. You use his word and you grow in an awareness of how he's been good to you. Now I want to end with this. And then we'll play dodgeball for a little bit. What difference would that actually make in our lives? If we really did commit to praising Him, what difference would that actually make on our lives? Taking our eyes off ourselves and fixing them on Him, what would that actually do? Would it change that problem that I was talking about early on? So I'll end with this. When I was in high school, I was a part of a ministry called Iron Sharpens Iron. It's still there. Some of you maybe get to be involved with that. They need a little leadership help right now, so that would be great. But uh, I'll say this, when I was there, there was a guy who was a little younger than us, and we were really trying to get him to come to this thing. We were trying to impact his life, share the gospel with him, and he was a Christian, he went to church, but he just wasn't really interested. And he was so caught up in this girlfriend he had, he was so caught up in sports, Um, he had everything, very, very wealthy, so he could buy whatever he wanted, that kind of thing. Very caught up in all this stuff, would not give us the time of day. Before I graduated high school, he wrote me this note, and I have it hanging in my room today, and it just reminds me that it's worth it when it seems like it's not. But this is what he said, I want you to listen to what he says, because he's in a lot of where you guys are. He was there, and he, he called me actually a few weeks ago, and I'm going to try to get him to come at some point. This is what he said, he said, Will, thank you for all that you do. Last year, I was headed in the wrong direction with the HP life, the girl, etc., I didn't go to the retreat thinking that I had better things to do than waste my time. Your pursuit and perseverance made me wonder why you guys were so crazy. For a long time, I considered you guys as weird. However, now I know why. You guys realize the truth that is in God's word and how much we must love it to make an impact. After realizing that I was wrong and maybe you guys were right, I read this verse. And he actually quotes a verse that's in your little guide for the week, which is cool. And this is what he says. He said, I had grown too content in the things that I had that I forgot my eternal need for Christ. That's unbelievable. Because as were so many of us are, as we are so consumed 
with what's going on right now, that we've lost our eternal need for Christ. And he talks a little more and says some really cool things. That changes life. And what he's saying is that this stuff is not just stuff we talk about on That stuff will totally change our lives. He's a missionary right now. He goes overseas. He shares the gospel. It's the coolest thing ever because that changes life. What changes life? This is what really it boiled down to is that he realized that he was looking for love and significance in everything else. But finally, it left him empty, and he figured out everything he was looking for, he already had in Jesus. And on the cross, Jesus took every single enemy, every single assault you can possibly think of, and he stayed. Think about that. He could have jumped down. He took every single punishment you can possibly think of, and he stayed. He did not go down, and he did that for you and me. That is the love that you've been looking for. That's the love that I'm looking for. That's the love that I need that can never be taken away, that nothing else will give me. That's the fuel we were made to run on. That's the gospel. And when we get that, all we'll want to do is praise God with our lives. Let me pray for you, and then we'll play dodgeball, and we may I may be able to talk to them and stay in a couple minutes. We'll see what happens. All right, let me pray. God, we love you. We thank you for your word. We thank you that we can praise you, Lord, because of what you did for us on the cross. I pray that would truly change us. It wouldn't just be something we talk about, but it would be something that truly affects us. We love you, Lord. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. All right, let's do this. Seventh grade this side, eighth grade. Oh, no. Just finished. Going into eighth this side, going into ninth this side. We're going to line up dodgeballs. We're going to play as long as we can. William, get back here.